how are you doing? Of course, as everybody does, right? And I said, well, let me tell you how I'm doing. I'm scared shitless. Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut-up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. Hey everyone, we are live today with my good friend, Mike Dilbeck. Mike is the founder of the Responsibility Project, a great guy, a fantastic speaker, a fellow NSA XY person, which maybe we'll talk about that, maybe we won't today, but Mike is awesome and we are just blessed that he's here. Michael, how are you today, brother? Love I'm, you, man. I'm so great. Love you too. Thank you for having me. Great to be with you and Bernie and uh, just have a conversation. Absolutely. That's all this is. Coffee. Yeah, and drink some coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's meant to be informal as a conversation, not formal like, well, Mike, we have these seven restricted questions that we're going to ask you. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> Hell no. So, yeah, you know me, Mike. That will I never know fly. you. That would never fly with you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, before we get started, though, Bernie, I know that you like to stalk our guests. So, Mike, you're going to learn stuff about yourself oh. you didn't even know was online. Oh, my so God. I'm already chief, nervous. Yeah, right? So our chief stocking officer, Bernie Shunk. Bernie, dear, take it away and tell us what you know. Thank you, PMAC. You know, I did actually stalk uh, Mike today. I usually stalk like 99.9% .9 of our guests because Phil just shows up. Like I told you before we hit record, he's a pretty face, so he just shows up. I'm the engineer. So <laughs> I have to make things work. <laughs> But uh, we're so happy. We're so happy to have you, Mike. Um, in in doing some research on your background, I was completely blown away. Um, you do a lot of different things, but the thing that jumped out to me the most was the bullying piece and and taking responsibility. Um, I've I've been very involved in anti-bullying um, involved uh, with projects a couple yeah. years ago, and it really hits home to me. Firstly having been bullied myself when I was younger and even as an adult, and I'm sure we can all relate. Um, so I'm sure we'll dive into that part, but that was really the part that hit home to me, so I can't wait to ask you a bunch of questions and more about the work you do today. But before we dive into the work you do today, we really would love to get the background. If you could help build the foundation of what led you to do the work you do today and, and go as far back as you need to, to do okay. that uh, with, with whatever defining moment led you on this path. Awesome. Well, um, I, um, for the last 30 plus years now, I, I've gotten to that point in my life where I say 30 plus because it sounds better than giving an exact number because it makes you sound old. And this is my year to turn 50, so I'm starting to do that kind of thing. And um, so I, but for the last 30 plus years, I've been a video and film, a filmmaker and video producer for the higher education community predominantly and more specifically the national fraternity and sorority community and produced many, many projects over that span of time. And the cycle would be that I would produce the project, whether it be for a specific client or a group of the fraternity and sorority organizations come together, and I bring them together uh, to produce some major productions. Regardless of what the project was, I would you know, produce it, 
would debut it, launch it, give it out to the clients to use in their own programming, and I'd go off and do the next project. That's the way the cycle would work. Well, in 2007, I started a new project um, to really look at this phenomenon called bystander behavior, sometimes known as the bystander effect. And even some people in, from Psychology 101 close, know it as the Genovese syndrome, because of Kitty Genovese in 1964. But um, I thought that would be just another project, and I would do what we do and then go on and do the next one. Well, we created this one. It's about a 30-minute long reality-type show, um, which is now brought down to 13 minutes now. But it's just, it struck such a chord in people and the people that viewed it that I started getting what I'd never gotten before on any project that I'd ever produced, and that was the level of emails and text messages and phone calls can you come talk to us? Do you have a book on this? Do you have a workbook? What about a workshop? Can you give us more? So having said it that way, this is the way I use it. It caused a demand that I had never experienced before from people. Like I struck a chord with this message to the point that it created more of a demand. People were more hungry uh, than usual for more about this message. So I'm like, wow, all right. Being tempted to do what I normally do, and that's going to my next video project, I started to look at, well, there's, been, there's a demand here. And kind of having an entrepreneurial mindset that I do, entrepreneurs are always looking for a demand for something. And we get to say whether we're going to do whatever we need to do, produce whatever we need to produce to meet that demand. So I had to make that decision for myself because all the requests came to me. It wasn't like I just read about the demand on Google. Like they, they were coming directly into me, and I had to be able to say, wow, we're going to address that or we're not. And I made the strategic decision in 2007, we're going to address that demand. And I actually, little did I know at that time, but I put everything aside. I quit my full-time job. I eventually, I, I have produced no other video projects since, and I've given full-time of my life to now what's evolved into the Responsibility Project. The video was called Responsibility, thinking that it would just be a video and that's it. But now we have a comprehensive website with educational materials. We have uh, DVD online program certification programs. I've produced a book, or a distributed book by Dr. Alan Berkowitz. I'm writing my own book now. You know, we have a project full of services and products that people can now use to empower themselves in their own lives to intervene in problem situations um, to make the difference they want to make. So that's what brings us up to today. That's that's amazing. Um, I have to ask you because I'm yeah. sure there, there's, I have a, a crap load of questions to ask. But the the one big one is, what do you think you did well, or what do you think you did right? Mm -hmm. That this was the project that that carried on a life of its own, and why it resonated with so many people. You could kind of expand on that. I think um, I touched on it before, but to expand a little bit more, I think we and it wasn't strategic. I would love to say that we did all this research, read all this data, and that bystander intervention is the next hot thing. I had no clue. All right, I had this project actually. If you go back a little further, started out to be an anti-hazing video, and I went to a symposium. Uh, I think it's called that, the Anti-Hazing Institute or something, uh, at Purdue University, put on by HazingPrevention.org. I didn't really want to go, but I thought I need to because I'm producing this video. So, so I need to kind of bring myself up to speed on what's being done in the hazing prevention world. So I sat there kind of with a bad attitude, uh, kind of with my arms folded, like, okay, give me something to make it worth my while to drive all the way down here. And um, 
then they started talking about two things, Dr. Alan Berkowitz and the bystander effect. And the more I heard about this, the more it struck, it, it struck this is what I want to say, it struck a chord in me. It touched something in me. I saw the time that, you know, in junior high that I'd been bullied and nobody stood up for me. And I'm like, wow, I know what they're talking about. And I saw how it impacted me. Like it made me think. And in that moment, I thought, we don't need to do an anti-hazing video. We need to do a video on this. And nothing, it had just started to creep into this particular community in a very small way. Enough that they were talking about it at this conference, which is a higher education conference but not enough that really was on a broad appeal. And I really saw the opportunity to take this, and I called Alan Berkowitz the next day and said, I want to take your white paper, and I want to turn it into a video. And uh, he said, let's do it. And we met in Evanston the next week and shook hands on it, and the rest is history. He's, a, he's still today an expert consultant on this project. And, um, but I think it was, and I don't want to say luck, but it was just having that gut feeling within myself of how I was impacted and thinking, I bet other people are impacted too and nobody's talking about it. And um, I, think that's, I think that was my lucky fortune is to go with my gut. Of, we may have something here. And enough of a gut that I changed midstream what we were going to talk about in this next video project. I mean, it was enough of that to change course. And... Um, then I talked to all the sponsors, the organizations I had brought together, and they're like, yeah, let's do that. So it just continued to, and another thing was I had double the amount of organizations, fraternity organizations participating in this project than I had ever before. So there's something that got touched in them um, to talk about something that wasn't being talked about enough. Did that answer yeah. your question? Totally answered the question. And that right. totally makes sense, right? What, what Often what we most need is what we can most give. Yes. And I think that's really cool, Mike, that you listen to your heart. And you, I, I don't think that's luck, okay? I think that's you paying attention to your heart and moving forward in yeah. really in love. And yeah. to give forth, because that's your gift, man. That's that's where you're most gifted. And, and Thank you. so that's where you were able to teach and reach more. But you, I'm guessing, maybe I'm wrong here, but was there some fear at all, Mike, that, holy shit, what if this doesn't work? Like, what if people don't like me? What if they don't like this new direction or this new message? I mean, when you pour your heart and all your crap into that, yeah. everything that you've got, man, you put it all in one sock, how did that feel? How did you work through that? Well, I knew we wanted to talk about this, and I, I, there was fear all along the way. I mean, I, think, I say, you know, and I talk about fear in my keynote and in my program, because fear will never leave us. We will always have fear. And we just get to say as human beings whether fear is going to control us uh, or not and determine whether we act or don't act. So I definitely talk about it in that realm. And I can see that fear was there the whole time. There were different times that it was more there. Uh, bigger risk, bigger decisions being made. Um, you know, and I left my job. Uh, and I didn't leave my job till about two years into the project. And I really, I tried to do both. I had a wonderful opportunity with a job that let me do both. They let me travel and speak. Um, but I just knew that I wasn't giving the time and attention to this that I wanted to give. So I, you know, I gave up my income, I, you know, my stable month to month, you know, benefits, income, all that. And so there's fear there. I've, I've never, I'm not the kind, and I don't know where I got this. I'm kind of answering a question that I think you may have for me later. But um, I don't know where I got the ability to overcome my fears or go beyond them. I just don't. I can't pinpoint that I was raised that way or 
you know, I've made really risky decisions all along, and sometimes they would be like, God, I, you know, like when I started my own company back in whenever I started it, um, 30 years ago, you know, I, I took a risk, and people, you know, many people say, God, I could never do that. You know, it's kind of like why you have this show, right? You know, people, how fear controls people, like, oh, God, I, I, I so, there's so many miserable people in their jobs that they just, there's nothing more that they want than to go out and be able to do what they want to do, work for themselves, create their own life, and make the difference they want to make, but they're so strapped into that little box because fear keeps them there. I was never willing to let myself stay there. And so that's kind of guided me all through life. Now, that doesn't mean that I've never had fear. That doesn't mean that there's never been time that my heart was going to jump out of my chest, that my hands were sweating like a water fountain. You know, I've definitely had those moments, and I can speak to a couple of them. But they didn't happen. I mean, there was fear early on, but... Um, there was two distinct points later on that the decisions were much bigger that I was much more fearful of. Wow. So that was a tease. A, Do you want me to talk about them? Yeah, hell yeah. So we <laughs> want to talk about that, but I also want you to think about, Mike, um, and maybe talk a little bit about your experience with Landmark, because I think that's important. Okay. I know that that helped you work through yes. this stuff. And that you've said that's the best thing that you've ever done. Ever. And for folks who, you know, who... I, I hate to say this, right, but people do think that anything that changed your life has got to be bad. Oh, it's a cult. It's a cult, right? Everything is a cult, right? This show, we've got a cult. Yeah. If, if by cult we mean short for culture, a yeah. group of people who have a, a similar mission, then hell yeah, screw off, yeah. that's what we got. But let's talk a little bit about that, Mike. Let's talk about that fear. Let's talk a little bit about Landmark and then, and then uh, you know, move forward from there. Yeah, it's great because I just, you know, I did Landmark Forum. And Landmark Forum is a, the introductory flagship program offered by Landmark. It used to be education. It's just now Landmark. And you can find them on landmarkworldwide.com. But it's just an educational program. You pay a tuition, take their courses, and, you know, it's not a cult. It's, you know, but it is cutting edge enough that people will attach their own meanings to it, their own, you know, for eight years I resisted, I have some of the most powerful, amazing, respectful people in my life, you know, that were out in the world causing things and doing things, I'm like, God, I want to be like them, and they would be like, well, you know, I did the Landmark Forum, I'm like, okay, that's weird, okay, you just, you know, you lost all my respect, or whatever I would say, right, and um, I'd be like, you know, I never researched it, I never looked it up, I never went to an introduction, but I made up in my own head that it was weird. I just self-defined it. Like, that's weird. It's a cult. They all, they, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't want any part to do with it. That's, that's not me. And um, so after eight years, finally somebody inter invited me to come find out about it. And I guess it was the right timing for me. And I said, okay, I'll check that out. And I came. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I wait so long for? And then I did the Landmark Forum, you know, not too soon after that, February of 2002, and I'm like, wow. I, you know, one thought I had was how different that the last eight years would have been. Um, but, you know, then I let that go because that's just living in regret, and I don't want to do that. But it's the best thing I ever did. I did it in 2002 uh, for the first time. Just last weekend, I did it for the second time. It was a time in my life I thought, I want to review this thing. I want to get some of that stuff back. And I'd gotten very lazy in my thinking and my ways of being, but I thought, I want a refresher. And so I did it again. It was awesome. But so for anybody that just really wants to create a magical, wonderful, empowered life, that wants to, that finds themselves stuck in doing something that they've always wanted to do and they can't seem to break out of that trap, you know, and they really, they haven't been able to identify what is that trap, what's keeping them in that trap, 
which is us, by the way, little teaser, um, then it's an opportunity to really just break that up and, you know, blow it up and be left with a whole new clean slate of, okay, what now? And that's what I was able to do, and I've really taken that on. Um, it's, you know, I, there were certainly things that I was stopped by in life in 2002 that just blew open for me, and the things I did after 2002 were miraculous in my life. I don't think I've <coughs> excuse me, ever been more fulfilled. Has everything gone more you know, perfectly? Absolutely not. Is my life perfect? Absolutely not. Again, what is perfect? And, you know, um, is, you know, I lost my picture. Is that okay? Do you all see me? Okay, good. Um, and, you know, but I get to create my life. Whatever I say my life is, you know, I get, you know, in 2007, I'm like, okay, this is the life I want to create. I want to address this phenomenon. But I created it. it I didn't land in my life as, lap as an obligation or a burden now. I got to say, this is where I want to take my life, and this is what I want my life to be known for. And it was really like, I, without any religious undertone whatsoever, that was my calling. And I didn't even know that was going to be my calling. But I say it now, again, not religious, but just the phone rang, said, Mike, we need you to carry on this message. You're the one. And I answered and said, okay, I'm the one. And, and I've been able to use the tools I got from the Landmark Forum. And I also became a leader in the education. I've led seminars for them. Amazing training. It really is the source of so much of my power and education and the tools that I use in life to create my life. And, you know, Landmark didn't do it for me. I did it myself, but I used the tools that I got in their courses to create my life out of. So anybody that's watching this that is interested, I say do it. You know, I know, Phil, you did it. Um, but um, that it, that's what I want to say about that. Cool. Cool. So take us through that fear, though, Mike. Let's. Okay. I, I thought. I think that's important that you stepped into your power. But you also said, "I'm not perfect. I didn't yep. make all the right decisions. Nope. It's nothing magical. You know, nope. it, it it was miraculous, but not magical. And I think there's a big difference there. But take us through some of that fear that that kind of cropped up. Some of those yep. big effing fear moments that cropped up, and how you walked through that. Because so many of our viewers, I know, are like. Well, I, I don't know. I'm not sure, and they're they're hesitant, or they're like, "Well, Mike did it, but I don't know if I could do it." So, yeah. so take us through that, Mike, because not not that I don't think you're amazing, but you're a normal guy, right? There's totally. nothing, you know, totally. you you're not special. You're just Mike. So take us through that, please. Well, first of all, no one is. No one was born with the special DNA that some of us got and some of us didn't get, right? Uh, so you know, and again, what is normal? Um, sometimes I'm not normal. Um, but uh, we're all just ordinary people, create, you know, committed to living extraordinary lives, and you know, many of us committed to living to making an extraordinary difference. So we want to, you know, all of us have the opportunity to look at what's in the way of being that kind of human being. Not that every human being has to be that. You know, we get to all individually create our life. But there was something within me that wanted to make that kind of difference. I didn't know what that difference was. But you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, two things. Uh, I'll speak about the biggest one to begin with. There, you know, the the biggest opportunity that, or and I, it is an opportunity, but the biggest time that fear was a threat. Well, I found myself sweating and heart beating, and you know, well, heart beating, but heart pounding like out of my chest. Was it, um, three years ago? I um, developed a new program within the Responsibility Project called the Everyday Hero Campaign. And to launch that, I wanted to create a new website, and I wanted to go big. Uh, 
and I found this company that, well, first of all, I fell in love with the website on, for the it's, It Gets Better project. And I loved how they looked, how it was designed, I loved how bold it was, I loved their design, I just loved everything about it. I thought, I want to use this company, having no idea who that company was. And I uh, went to the bottom of their website and it said, powered by Blue State Digital. And I thought, okay, I want to contact them. Have no, I didn't even know who they were. A little, as far as I know, it was one person in a garage somewhere. And um, so I contacted them, I set up a call with them. Well, in between that, before the call, I did some more research on them and found out that, okay, yeah, they're not some one guy in a garage. They are the company that basically got, I mean, they're not the sole source of it, but they designed the entire digital online campaign for Senator Barack Obama in 2007. Yeah, to, to become our president, right? You know, the most successful online campaigning in history. They designed all of that. They designed his website, they designed the platform, they designed the tools, they designed the CRM, everything that they did with outreach and texting and just, they designed the whole show. I'm like, ah, there's no way I'll be able to afford these people. And uh, so I got on the call with them and of course it was funny, they said, well, when they were designing the call, they said, well, see when your team can get together and we'll get our team together and we'll put, I'm like, oh, well, that'll be easy on my end because the team is me. I'm like, so I, there's only one person that'll make it quite easy. So um, <laughs> they had just redesigned HRC, you know, Human Rights Campaign's new website. You know, they have a whole team. I'm like, oh, there's just me. And um, so they got on the call and they said, um, how are you doing? Of course, as everybody does, right? And I said, well, let me tell you how I'm doing. I'm scared shitless. I just told them. I said, I, and they're like, why? And I don't, you probably have never any, had anybody tell them that, right, at the beginning of a call. I said, and I'm excited. I'm excited to be on, I'm excited for what's possible in our uh, relationship together, and I'm scared to death that I won't be able to afford you. And I'm scared that that will get in the way of me really doing what I want to do with this thing. I just put it out there, right at the beginning of the call. And I, I basically, you know, in the, in the world of fear, I put my fear on the table. You know, I let them know, this is my fear. I didn't try to cover it up. I didn't try to hide behind it. Didn't try to act like I have my life together, everything together. Like, yeah, I have all the money in the bank. Bring it on. No, I'm like, listen, this is what I'm dealing with. I had no idea who these people were. And um, so they got, okay, thank you. And then we went on with our call. And, of course, my fears were realized when I got the first quote. And it was for $150,000. Yeah. So I went back to them. I said, well, I can't do that. Uh, I have probably $150 in the bank, and um, so we're, there's a little bit of a gap there. And I knew that I, w I was going to raise money. I knew that, you know, all that, but I, uh, I didn't know that I could raise $150,000. I had, for the responsibility project, raised $200,000 and um, from sponsoring organizations, fraternities, and sororities. But I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do that again. So... Um, Anyway, we negotiated some, and they came down. They actually took their quote in half and gave me a price for, uh, quote for $75,000. I'm like, i got to do this. So this is to my point. With the still about the same $150 in the bank, not joking, I signed an agreement for a $75,000 website. Literally, my heart was pounding out of my chest. My hands were sweating. My, the pen was sliding out of my fingers when I was signing it because I was so nervous. I signed it. I faxed it back to them. 
I can't believe they faxed them. That sounds so archaic now. Um, and the deal was done. And I'm like, okay, now we got to raise money. And when everything was said and done, I raised over $100,000. But, you know, fear would have prevented me from doing that. Now, I'm not saying anybody should go out and do a stupid thing like that. You know, you got to be, you know, you got to be smart. I had some evidence behind me. I had a good, you know, I was, a lot of it is I was going on gut, but, you know, this same group was pleased with the project and <laughs> I knew they were pretty reliable to invest again. But I had no commitments. I had nobody saying, yes, when you do this, we'll give you money. I was just saying, you know, kind of crossing my fingers. Again, I'm not saying anybody should do that. Please do not go out and sign a $75,000 contract and say, I told you so. And then you send me the contract and go, now you pay for this. So I'm not saying to do that. you got to be responsible. you got to be smart about what you do. But I made the choice to, to do that. And uh, it all worked out. So that was my big fear, shut up, fear moment. You know, I, I, I love that story. I, I'm cheesing because I'm just like, wow. I mean, that, that's some massive fear. I mean, obviously, oh. if, if you failed, it, it would hurt, like, tremendously. <laughs> um, but I have to ask, because I've heard you now say it a couple of times from the beginning to, to, to the story. You've talked about having this gut feeling, right, mm -hmm. this, this intuition, and you went with that. Um, I can't tell you how many times in, in the work that I do you know, with my clients and, and coaching them, and even myself, um, you know, continuing to build and grow my business, I think that gut, that, that making a decision on your gut sometimes is hard. It is. For people to do? Is yeah. this something that you've naturally been able to do for a while? Did you have to hone this and practice it? Can, can you kind of walk us through that? Because I think the whole gut thing, we get it logically, but emotionally, we don't always connect and, and make decisions. Such a, such a great question because it is, it is very conceptual and it's abstract and it's hard to define, it's hard to describe, it's hard to put your finger on. So let me say it this way, and, and I'm so glad you asked me because it lets me kind of go back and say it a different way that's actually more... Uh, I think we can put our heart around it more, our hands around it. I don't know that it's as much gut as there was a possibility in front of me that was bigger than the fear. I just kind of want to let that sit in with your, you know, the viewers. You know, there was something in front of me as a possibility, you know, addressing, possibly even eradicating bystander behavior on this planet that when you... You know, you could even say it this way. There was a problem in front of me that was bigger than the fear. And I'm like, it's going to take this to address this problem. i got to do something big. And so that problem, you know, and we pretty much have petty little problems in our lives. You know, bad hair day. Uh, oh, my gosh, my car didn't start. Or, you know, whatever we think our problems are, they're pretty boring problems. They're pretty petty, and I'm not invalidating anybody's problems, but even from my own life, you know, compared to, holy cow, I'm going to address this problem of bystander behavior on this planet. It's going to take a bold decision. It's going to take me going past my fear. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think that more than gut pulled me into that direction and had me take the risk that I took, knowing that there were possible consequences. And I was putting a lot at stake. I was putting my credit report, you know, my, my credit rating. I was, you know, my reputation, my, uh, all that stuff at stake. But it was, I really had to confront for myself that I was, that this was a problem and that I'm the one to do something about this problem 
to a degree that it was a magnetic force pulling me into it. And that's much more powerful than gut. I love it. I love the way you've redefined that. It's very similar to what I call my BS meter, um, that, that, which is my gut. If my gut tells me something is wrong, even though people are wanting to pay me money for a project, and my gut says this project doesn't feel right, uh, nine times out of ten, I won't accept the project or I won't move forward because that BS meter tells me this is probably not in alignment with my greater vision or, or the mission that I'm on right now. So it sounds very similar to the gut being your tool. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, and I, I obviously I, I violate this. Well, I think we use the term gut as an all-encompassing term too much to where it does become something people really can't relate to. But it really, that gut didn't just, you weren't born with that gut feeling. You were born with, you know, being a baby and the world is your oyster, right? And then, you know, as we go through life, we develop our own values or our own moral system, our own moral compass. We develop that which we're committed to. We develop our personalities. We develop everything that we develop which all-encompassing is our gut because that's what guides us. You know, if, you know, making a difference is one of my main values. Well, that guides my gut. It's not like my gut is just this, you know, flap in the wind kind of thing, this weather vane that's going to go the way the wind blows. No, my values guide where my gut, what my gut tells me. You know, if I had no commitment to making a difference for people, this wouldn't have been something that my gut would be triggered by. I'm like, okay, you have no desire to do that, and then let's go and do something else. So your gut is not, your gut is formed. You know, some of us, our gut is formed more than others. But um, physically. Now I know what to call this episode when it publishes. Oh, shoot. Oh, no. Oh, Get no. in my belly. Oh, my God. Things that come back to haunt me. Um, so I think that, that's, uh, yeah, and that's probably a whole other webinar or whatever it is. What is your gut? You know, because I don't really answer to that. I just think it's different for everybody. Right, right. No, thank you for the clarification. I, yeah. I think that's awesome. Phil, I think it's time for the magic yeah. question. Oh, my God, the magic question. Oh, yeah. So where is the body hidden? No, uh, what's your favorite ice cream? Damn it, no, that's not it either. Mike, right now, what are you afraid of? What's going on in your life that's scaring you, that's keeping you up at night? How can Bernie and Phil... And how can the Shut Up Show community help you to kind of get through this? Because we know we all experience fear. None yep. of us are perfect, and yet nope. we're perfect just the way we are. That's right, baby. So let us know, Mike, how, how we can help. Well, I think I mentioned that I'm currently rebranding, or if I didn't, I'm currently rebranding and rebooting and refreshing and restarting the Responsibility Project after five years. So I'm uh, currently going through a two-month process to do all that. And really everything, for me except the name, is on the table. Uh, I've done too much work over the last five years for the branding of the name, um, but you know I'm I, I'm um, being pulled and I'm pulling myself actually towards doing some making some edgy provocative decisions and uh, taking an edgy provocative even sexy approach to the messaging, uh, really to get people's attention, kind of be outside the conservative boring box. And that has fear with it. Like, will people like it? Will people disengage or will they engage? Will they, what will this do for the branding? And um, will it be the right decision? That's really what it comes down to. Will this decision be the right decision? Of all decisions, will this be it? You know, when I pull the plug on it or, you know, say go live with the new messaging, woo, will this be it? And, you know, I've done enough testing already when it's been very little that people are liking it. But, um, 
And I, I guess I could tell you because I was on a podcast the other day and I told them, so I, it's only fair that I tell you. And with a disclaimer of I'm not pulling the plug on this yet. Not pulling the plug's not right there. I'm pushing the button, whatever you call it. The go Pulling button. The ripcord, baby. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going live with this yet. But and there's got to be massaging and flushing out of it. But um, my tagline has always been for the responsibility project: empowering people to intervene in problem situations and be an everyday hero. And uh, I really get now that that's boring. Uh, it's too technical. It's kind of like just boring. And not that it's not accurate but it just doesn't engage people. It's too long, and there's nothing edgy about it to like, oh, okay, I want to know more about this thing. So there's a new four-word tagline that I am toying with. Four words. Are you ready? You really ready? Hit me! The possible new tagline for the Responsibility Project is from bystander to badass. That's nice, and we'll see you on a Harley Davidson near you. Right. <laughs> so that's cool, man. That's great. That's and it awesome. Really, it just says that. everything that I am. It says everything yeah. the project. You know, I'm leading people from being a bystander in life to just being a badass. Whatever being a badass is for that person, you know, it's, it's self-defined. You know, awesome. and you know, and I'm also within that creating a, a campaign called Yes You Can, and it's um, Yes You Can dot 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 be a badass. So Yes You Can. Uh, speak up when someone says that's so gay and be a badass. Yes, you can grab someone's car keys when they've had too much to drink and be a badass. Yes, you can remove someone from a sexually risky situation and be a badass at it. You know, so it's it's giving people permission to go out in life and be a badass. That's awesome. Good. So that's what we're gonna call the episode, Mike. I love it. Now we got it. Yeah. I like love it. Rollback? From bystander to badass, and that totally sums it up because that is a transformation. I was just yes. gonna say, and, and it's it's so succinct. Like yes. you get it. You don't. You can be seven. Yeah. You can be seventy. That's right. And you understand the message. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. And, and really, because what I've really gotten as I've talked to people and kind of beta tested this is whether we ever say it out loud or not, and say it that way. Down deep in the core of all of us, we just want to be known and experience ourselves as a badass. That's it, dude. That's totally it. So, so, Mike. Yes. Last but not least, how can we get some more of your badass awesome sauce so we can connect with you more, right? Because our listeners, they're gonna want to get more of Mike Dillbeck. They're gonna watch the show and be like, "Damn, I want to be more responsible and responsible. turn my life able, right? From my life, from." you know, where it is to where okay. I want it to be, right? I want to go from bystander to Great. badass, and I want to step in. So tell us, Mike, how can we love you more? Um, uh, okay, several different ways. Uh, Twitter, at responsibility. One word, but two different words put together, not the typical spelling of responsibility. So it's responsibility. Okay, so the E and the A in the middle do that. Um, of course, you can get there from my, you know, all the social media connections are on my website at raproject.org. That's raproject.org. If you want personal, detailed information on me and my keynote and the programs I personally lead, it's mikedillbeck.com. You can certainly get there from the responsibility website. And we're just simply responsibility on Facebook. Kaboom. And now yeah. we get... And the website will not, is not now what it possibly will be 
with the new ba badass theme. Get your motor running. <laughs> Head it up with my Gilbeck. I love. I love that y'all love it. It's just Hell everybody. Yeah, everybody does. That is powerful. So Phil, we entered with dancing and we exit. We with exit dancing. with dancing and motorcycle riding. <laughs> yeah, twerk it, girl. Cool. So Mike, we're so glad you're here, dude. Thank you. You are freaking awesome. We love you, man. Thank and you. We're so glad to be your friend and so glad to be with you on this journey. We can't wait to see the new badass brand that comes out. It's going to be awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, go on to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.